he went to both Harvard and Oxford. Oh yeah, he used his Fulbright scholarship to teach English in India. Oh yeah, he is a committed democratic socialist playwright and political writer. Oh yeah, it's time for us to realize that Wallace Shawn is better than this. Hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition the podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest TV show to annoy you very much with Wallace Shawn's voice. <laughs> it is it is intense. It, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's pungent on this one. Yeah, it. I'm, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I think he's great, but I can, hell, it's, intentionally grading i think but anyways before we get into all that uh, let me go ahead and introduce us um with me as always is james nolan hey guys and hugh crawford hello gentlemen and uh i'm my name is wade bowen and yeah get that all out of the way tonight we're talking about what is this episode 16 of star trek deep space nine called <laughs> yes yeah. we're watching yeah. The return of self-sealing stimbos. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, this is this is uh, episode sixteen of season three. It's called Profit Motive. Profit spelled like the religious profit, not the economic. Profit. So many profit it, puns. Yes. Right. It, so much profit wordplay in the episode titles of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. It aired originally February twentieth, nineteen ninety-five, and the IMDb IMDb description is as follows: Grand. Negus Zek is acting bizarre by giving away money and rewriting the rules of acquisition. Quark attempts to get the old Negus back. Uh, this one's re- directed by Rene Abergenois, right? Aubergenois. Oh, uh, yes, Aubergenois. I can pronounce that one right, not Jeffrey Combs. Combs, Combs, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you had, I was confused about that before. Like, so many O's in there. I was like, yeah. what? Just one. The IMB description fails to mention the B-plot, which is Bashir is up for an award, promptly tells everybody he won't win the award, and then doesn't win the award. Yep. And so, it's a very prestigious award. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think they even call it that. Yeah. I think that here's right off the bat, guys. I've been saying for two and a half seasons, I don't think Bashir is that good of a doctor. <laughs> they never show him doing especially good medical work yes and so i think like the last week they woke up and they're like oh we haven't addressed any of this of this emissary stuff for two and a half seasons we need to hurry up and do it now so they're like oh we we don't actually know if bashir's a good doctor we need to have a b plot where he gets nominated for a nobel prize so uh the carrington award yeah the carrington prize that's my theory about why he because the B plot makes no sense. Well, yeah, I'm like it's because he he says at the beginning, I'm not going to wear this. It's sport. an inside. And okay, so it's an inside joke. It's a joke about oh. it's Ira Stephen Bear mocking the writers of Next Generation when I guess in the seventh season, Next Generation got nominated for an Emmy for best drama, and everybody oh, in snap. everybody in the world knew we're not going to win this fucking award. But around the time that award season and NYPD Blue was going to win, everybody knew both the same thing. But then it was like an infection amongst the writing and producers where they started getting their hopes up. And then when that didn't happen, it would, they were kind of devastated about it. 
where they never thought at the beginning that they should have won anyway. Well, inside jokes don't always make for the best B plots. Oh God, no! <laughs> and 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 if how about I think that's time. A- I was constantly making a better like. Oh, there's going to be a reveal where all they're all just fucking with him about his vanity. Like this is all a joke because even Odo was in on it, and I was like, that eh, that's not like natural Odo. Of like talk gossiping with him about is he gonna win this award or not? It w- I liked well we'll get I actually liked that Odo suit just because the the turn at the end but yeah and the whole the my whole thing was like him winning award the Carrington award for and it's like oh for all the work he's well we've made jokes about how he doesn't ever do anything but then they try to cram in and in, in the scene where he first shows up that he's busy working which I think is the first time we've seen him working in a non emergency situation yeah and I basically I mean he. I mean, it's essentially they treat it. It's a lifetime award. He's it's really like a like a Nobel Prize of medicine. But he is three years a doctor, right? Yeah, he was fresh out of the academy. When, like, well, if you're gonna give him an award, why not make it for creating robot parts or doing whatever he did with Melora? Robot Pope. Oh, Robot Pope. Or Vedic Robot Brile. That's something new. But no, it's oh, it's for biomolecular replication, which is just like for techno babble, techno babble. And he's he's up against April Wade. There you go. There you go. I just have to shout out to to another Wade of the University of Nairobi. Yeah, Healer Sindva from the Vulcan Medical Institute. Henri Roger from some Altair Four, and Shurugan Patrell and Endorian. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I wrote it down, so I feel like saying it. But who cares? And I read the I read the annoying tidbit that this is the first time that the planet was called Andoria. Oh, really? Yes. So. Oh, okay. So, a shitty B plot makes something can. Yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. Uh, see, okay. So I I equate it to I guess like it's supposed to be like like I'm a, like I was I I am and was a huge uh, Barack Obama supporter. But there was that time, like in 2009, where we all woke up and he won the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. He'd been president for like five minutes. Yeah, that was a little premature. <laughs> and everybody was kind of like, uh, what, what the fuck? Nobel Prize? Like, he, has like, and like he, he got an award for being black. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> or not Bush. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I don't it was, know. It was, like, I mean, it was it's great accomplishment. Weird. First African American president, but I don't know if that's... Yeah. The, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he. Okay, what the what that was? They admitted that that's an aspirational. It was like an aspirational. Sure, that's how they the angle that we. That hope should they... have been what the Carrington people had said. We <laughs> this is an aspir- right. No, but it is kind of silly that it's a lifetime achievement award that they give it to a, a guy who's literally been in the biz for three 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 seasons. Like, and they gave him <laughs> they gave him the, the Hall of Fame on this, and it's kind of silly. So I, I don't know. I never the, the whole plot was so silly that I thought they were doing a thing where they were all like playing a prank on him to get him to like, you know, be vain about it. Yeah. Well, and it's like Dax is the one that submitted him for the award because she's the only one that gets what he was doing. Somebody makes a joke like, oh, it's real. Well, Dax told me it was real and fancy what you were doing with (laughs) biomolecular replication or whatever, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like that they were all kind of throwing shade at him, like, oh, you, you don't care. And then him and Bashir are playing darts. Is this the first they've played darts before? This, no, this is the no. first darts. Because they talk, they've been playing, they've put, he's like, oh, we've played 106 games of racquetball, which I feel like the mm-hmm. last time they talked about how they've played too much racquetball, it was 106 games as well. Oh, probably. And he's like, when's Cake Open? 
but that's a little yeah that, no it's dart it starts and they actually had to fight for darts or they got darts in like a compromise because they wanted a pool table oh, really uh where they shoot pool all the time and but i guess there was a pool table on voyager and brandon braga had squat on that already he'd squatted on pool table so okay. but at voyager voyager didn't that start in 1997 no 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 voyager's already airing like we're in the concurrently yeah uh, we're already where we are now yeah uh, oh they yeah yeah that was that was supposed to be the thing in voyager you know because the next year had it's like uh, is there poker right right it's see pink or pinochle or was it poker or pinochle? it's poker no it was poker it was Whatever. definitely poker mm-hmm. the next the, the original series had escaping from uh, alien jail sales <laughs> and the no i'm they had the three-dimensional chess yeah, three-dimensional right. chess then they had poker then they had racquetball then darts for ds9 yes um and then it was voyager had cool. but that didn't last very long that was like one of the things that like they eventually jettisoned yeah i well anyway so that kept them from having it and then i like they didn't want that's to, a waste yeah they didn't want to play cards so they like mm-hmm. like iris Stephen bear had to like he went into the negotiations and all he came out with was a dartboard so i like darts darts is a good it works classic pub game for an irish guy to be playing you know with a Englishman. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's fine. I, I, I don't, I don't yeah, problem yeah. it. But they're playing like in a, Did, in a uh, cargo Enterpri- hold. Enterprise had water polo videos, but other than that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't, think... I don't know why they're not playing darts in the bar like they are later on. Spoilers. Not well, really. Archer played sand football once with Trip on an alien. Yeah, planet. you're right. Oh, the reason it wasn't in the bar is because they put it in the bar later on. They do. That's what I'm saying. Why didn't they? But why are they in a cargo hold doing it right now? Wait, do they not? Because they had. Wait, I watched. They were in a car. Well, hold on, hold on. I watched two episodes. Oh, did they? Is there a scene where they're convincing Quark to put the dartboard in the bar? Is that not in this episode? That's not in this episode. That will be answered in a late spoiler alert. That's answered in a later episode. Okay. Uh, The next next week's episode because I watched two episodes back to back tonight. So okay. Yes, that's answered later. But it's because they had not yet gotten permission from Quark to put it in the bar. Okay, yeah, I seem to remember something about that. Okay. So, yeah, if those are the spoilers that people piss people off, like, you need to get a hobby. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dartboard moves to another part of the love. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, and yeah that's that. O'Brien's like, oh, Bashir, who the hell is he? That's what they're saying. And then Bashir gets a little butt hurt about that. But yeah. I almost thought like the Bashir B plot like was setting up stuff we know about him later, but it's not. Nope. So that's all I'll say. I'll just leave that there. Never mind. Yeah. Why would Why would they do that? They're just <laughs> they're winging it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I I'm with you. This episode, right? it is it is. Uh, whenever whenever you start off a story and the the plot of the story is everybody assumes this will happen and it does. Mm. You, <laughs> yeah. you gotta like you gotta do a job on that writing like you really gotta tell a kind of tale right. there yeah because just I, on a structure level you're just that's not a story no it's <laughs> not it's it's just some flavor yeah i did like i do like whenever we can see odo doing having a little columbo moment yeah where, where like he's given Bashir hard times like oh and then but yeah it's weird that he has a friend in starfleet intelligence that has a friend who works in something whose cousin heard a guy say that his his podiatrist said that april wade wasn't gonna win like yeah that that he gossips with about technical lifetime achievement awards i just don't buy that about a cousin who's married yeah like 
But I did I don't like even when, buy the premise that he has friends. Yeah, that's a little so weird. much less that he gossips with them about technical awards. <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah. Well, he has contacts in the intelligence community. There's that. But you're right. Okay. It's weird. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't Sure. No, I, the, uh, the only thing I really liked about that scene was um and then at the end Odo says, Then why are you writing your acceptance speech if you know you're gonna lose? And Bashir's like, how did you know? I was like, mm, I just guessed. It's <laughs> like, I don't know. That was a nice little, but that. that's how you extract false confessions out of <laughs> criminals. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I got, I mean. Well, okay. So here's the thing about this episode. Uh, other than the shitty B plot, the A plot, oh, can... I actually, I'm on board. I'm. With, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we pretty much covered the A plot. He, he loses. Yeah. Just like he says he was right. going to. But the A-plot that starts out the episode, that cold open, the first thing we see in, when this episode begins is Cork getting his ears jacked off. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that is the worst. The worst. <laughs> it's really that, gross. That is, that's probably my least favorite thing to see in all of Star Trek. Like, all of Star Trek. The ear jacking off bugs me to no end. I'd rather, much rather see the earworms in Wrath of Khan for 40 minutes than any of the ear stuff with the Frank. Because it's clearly, like, he's orgasmic. What about the lift boots on uh, Star Trek Five? Oh, I love those lift boots. Okay. <laughs> I saw it when I was, like, a kid, man. I don't know what to tell you. I get okay. I mean, yeah, and that movie is not very good, but nope. the lift boots are, like, they're, they're not the biggest problem with that movie. <laughs> oh, God. oh no, it's just the thing. But when he's climbing um, the mountain because he wants to make love to the mountain. Yeah, I'd really. Okay. So you're into this you're you're into this A plot? I so, so Hugh, you're into this A plot? Well, here's the thing. I wasn't on board with the A plot. I think I mean it's not a hundred percent, you know, yeah. kiss your fingers, chef fingers. <laughs> but it's it's it redeems itself at the end because of the the Ferengi negotiating with non-corporeal yeah non-linear beings, beings. non-linear non-corporeal beings corporeal is interesting because you know you're you're seeing him squirm and try to like to hit the right angles to number one not get mind wiped like zach mm-hmm. yeah and yeah like i i i like this i i think i like the a plot yeah okay I, I'm yeah I'm, 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 it's a ferengi i'm persuadable i'm persuadable i i it elicited no strong emotion for me, which I mean, which worried me about something. But it's know. it's a Ferengi episode. It's a Grand Negus episode. So <sighs> if you know what you're getting in for, it's what you're getting in for. <laughs> if you don't like those episodes, yeah, yeah. you don't like you, you get more. Wild, hey, you get, <laughs> if you don't like that shit, then you're not going to like this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a general irritation element with yeah. with Wallace Shawn's performance. You do get more uh, punk rock Ronald Reagan, and in fact, lines from punk rock Ronald oh, Reagan. Oh yeah, Maher, ma, Maher do, Maher, <laughs> Maher do. Get my. That's his name. <laughs> I didn't realize it was Maher do, but Maher do, Maher do. Yeah, Maher do. Yeah, Tiny Ron gets a, gets some lines, so that's nice. Yeah, well, it's not. Yeah, but it's not Maher do. It's the wormhole aliens. Uh, yeah, not as himself, but as yeah. But yeah, yeah no, I, it's it's good stuff. I, I it's fine stuff. When they bring him in in the cold open, did you notice it was kind of weird? Like he brings him in with a black hood on. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all either. I thought they were like maybe like I don't I don't understand that at all. I, well, I, I tried, something was wrong. He was trying to be low key. 
Why? Well, you can't, because you can't have the Grand Negus walking through the promenade handing out latinum to everybody he sees. He's he's disabled. Yeah. So he had to be like punk rock Ronald Reagan had to get him to like the one person he knew would flip out and help him. Right. But he, the, you know, that's kind of how I read it first, too, because he's like he's traveling incognito like the Pope, like on a secret message or whatever. But the young Pope. Yeah. But then he's running around and it's like he's he's healthy. He's not. And I just thought maybe it was like that was from a reshoot when they throw him in a bag later on or something. Or that they didn't have or that they didn't have Wallace Shawn. Yeah, or they didn't have Wallace Shawn. Yeah, the line producer fucked up and couldn't get him for that shooting day or something. It's like, okay, just put a bag on him. He's hanging out with Andre Gregory, like complaining (laughs) about, I've got to go do the space show. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Just get him to do some ADR and we'll we'll fix it in post. Like, hey, Cork, I'm here. I'm your new roommate. (laughs) (laughs) The idea that I that he just did I I just don't want to show up I just don't want to do this anymore Andre but makes me happy so yeah he's he comes in he's moving in with Quark he's rewritten all he's revised the rules of acquisition and Quark and and Rom's real excited about it mm-hmm. and then because they're gonna be the first people to make all the money off the new rules it's like when David Miscavige rewrote <laughs> Scientology uh, I don't know for all of our Scientology fans <laughs> yeah. of the podcast we, just try to poke we the bear. think your religion is kind of dumb that's okay <laughs> yeah come at I don't know if we want don't don't come at us <laughs> yeah I was like I, never mind take it back that sounds like a goddamn nuisance no <laughs> yeah like we, we can't afford the legal fees seriously yeah. but he's rewritten the rules of acquisition and they're all lovey-dovey now yeah they're all like good than virtuous yeah the first rule if they want their money back give it to them and then the first rule is the only rule that ever rhymed i guess they were if they want their money back g- give it to them and then then like what and then yeah it's played it's played uh it's played well in that er, introductory yeah that sort it, of stuff was done well they did the pacing well. when you get their money never give it back or rule 21 never place profit above friendship Rule 22, Latinum tarnishes, but family is forever. Rule 23, sorry, I usually read these. And <laughs> yeah, you're reading the pretend ones now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, money can never replace dignity. And rule 285, the final rule of acquisition, a good deed is its own reward. I assume the last one is Latinum is its own reward. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I don't, yeah. I, I think they're all, they all have a sister, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, and that all of that stuff is revealed pretty well. And there is sort of a general mystery of what's going on with, with Wallace Shawn. Right, um, yeah. Cork thinks he's testing them. And so like, oh, give me the first word from each, like, if never keep profit, a good smile. Honesty. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was weird that he's trying to like break the enigma code of them. Yeah, because yeah. he's in that that I like is a it's a plot element that Quark would be that everybody's constantly. I mean, that's like a that's like a that's like a an apprentice Donald Trump's apprentice kind of move <laughs> right, where right. you uh, destabilize always be destabilizing the people underneath you. Uh, if nothing else, it's just oh. a power move. And, uh, we- so that's immediately what that's immediately what he thinks is going on is that this is all some sort of test which to bring it to scientology that's why so many people accept the lord xenu stuff according to paul haggis or haggis is that they accept it because it's so weird that you wonder if it's almost a test on whether you will accept it or not oh yeah and it kind of is like so i always assumed it was 
you've spent like over thirty thousand dollars to get this far. Yeah. So you can't you can't opt now. Oh, you're, you're bought in. I think that you spend thirty thousand. I don't think you get like I think you've spent like five million dollars. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. Lot, like over thirty years, and yeah. yeah, it's like well, I'm all I'm bought in now. I just know my <laughs> my life isn't a lot. Uh, I can't, this is just the drink more unembarrassing drink more Ovaltine situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it can't be. It can't be. The, the, there's airplanes with Xenus in them. <laughs> yes, we we believe. No, but that was like um, that was sort of what Paul Haggis described in that Going Clear documentary is that he's like, so I went home and I didn't tell my wife about it because I was like, surely this is like a test or there's like it's a aphorism or something and like, mm-hmm. but no, yeah. So and I think that that you have that scene with Quark, even though I thought it was a little sort of goofy. I, 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 <laughs> this I whole felt episode, that, it's it's a Ferengi episode. Of course, it's goofy. Well, I don't mean like lovably goofy. Like I just mean like off, like uh, like off flavored. Uh, just kind of goofy. Like just kind of like I, yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, like state blocked kind of yeah. uncomfortable like they're like hey let's hold it up to the light and they yeah. realize there's no natural light in the room <laughs> <laughs> so he has to say it was like a weird student one act play yeah I don't know. yeah it was just kind of like i don't know where you just start getting like the little bit like okay okay i get i get it move on this isn't this isn't yeah, yeah. this isn't that funny like but that's fine and then he, he kind of figures out that it's not a trick when oh shit I was so distracted by jacking off the ears that I forgot to rem- mention that we also mentioned self-sealing stem bolts, but that's what this episode was about yeah. initially, or not. Yeah. But the Grant Nagus gave away all the... The cause to action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The woman di- didn't sign the deal because Quirk wanted to drag out getting his ears jacked off, so he's like, we'll sign the contract next week for 10 bars of gold press latinum, which is... Crazy, because I thought five was like an amazing deal. I was actually going to comment on this, but then they lampshade it later and say that he was ripping her off. So I was fine with it. Yeah, yeah. Because I was like, last season, two seasons ago, it was worth five, and you could buy land with that amount of money. And now ten is is a great deal that's going to help this poor girl save her father's factory. Right. I don't know. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, that's again the roving... Yeah. fluid cost of platinum but right. uh, but he's ripping her off yeah until the, yeah. They, they put a lampshade on it so i'm like okay yeah the niggas told her where to get them wholesale and he hadn't signed the contract and he's like wholesale what and then rom goes off to join become the administrator for the ferengi benevolent association which is played for a funny reveal i mean i guess a funny it's relatively funny reveal at the end yeah yeah where, where you think that the whole episode that rom is a true believer on the new niggas because he's super stoked about him and he's sort of like you're supposed to look at it. Yeah, like one. He he says I'm malleable. Or yeah, that the that the paradigm has shifted in Ferengi culture, and now Rom is more suited for the Negus's new view. Right. But at the end, like at at the end, they do do a little stinger that he's. He was he was excited because it allowed him to embezzle more money from from Zach. Right, right. So. I was I was the senior administrator, brother, and I think you embezzled from the Grand Negus. It's like surprise. Mm. Father would be so proud of you. Yeah, I like the little tags at the end of the episodes between Rom and Cork when they have their brotherly moments. Yeah, it's a, it's, yeah. it's again when we we always talk about like that Deep Space Nine deals with family. Mm-hmm. This is a you know they're brothers. It's a form of family. So. Yeah, I mean, they have like their when Quirk moves in with them, and he's like, This is bullshit. You got to clean up, and I'm the older brother and clean. And then Rom's like, This is my house, and I'm, I can't tell you what to do in the bar, but I won't be bossed around here. And because Nog is usually the one that's cleans because there's a pecking order for Ferengi, and Nog's 
visiting their mother back on Ferenginar, who we haven't met yet, but y'all heard me get kind of weird about her. When, oh, yeah, yeah. In that one episode where... Uh, it's, uh, just, go back just, to season it one. Occurred to me, it occurred to me just now that um, Star Trek would benefit with more family members. Like, if Kirk had, like, a wastrel brother... <laughs> Like, uh, like he like, has a brother, does he? Yeah, he goes to visit him and he's dead. Him and his whole family are dead all in one episode. Oh, they, they fridges in the original series. And it's motivation. Say what now? They fridge. I don't know this episode at all. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, they, they go show up and his brother and his nephew and his brother's wife are all murdered on this planet. Oh, so he's introduced as dead. You don't get like an episode and then like three, like, yeah. So, two. but you get this whole, like, he's all like looking forward to going to see, uh, like, okay. they're close yeah. and he's looking forward to going to see them. So, I mean, you get this little introductory, like, Oh, there's a real human side to Kirk and mm-hmm. yeah, it gives him some stakes. And so whenever he shows up on the planet, everybody's been like fried to death. Ah, yeah. Including this little baby corpse and his wife, you know, all this stuff is implied. Yeah. It's like a real, like, heavy moment yeah and that's true i mean that's not i mean that's that's all on kirk that or that's all about kirk not about early but yeah i mean that's and also picard has a brother in a pretty great episode so oh yeah that's that's good so yeah i just i could do with more siblings sure uh, yeah yeah that could be something that would make me happy right right yeah my brother gr- grinds his teeth into sleep too so i understand <laughs> that's like to live with somebody who does that <laughs> yeah and then my wife does so Um, you might as well just like if you're in the same room with somebody grinding their teeth in their sleep you might as well just go outside and get like two rocks (laughs) and then like press them you know at the same time Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what it sounds like if you're wanting to compete yeah no it's all like my my son and my wife does Mm. yeah oh and then we get when they're going back and they're checking rule number 10 of the rule of acquisition is greed is dead and he's like what no greed is eternal is supposed to be the right rule there's nothing beyond greed. Uh-huh. Okay, so Court's going to get to the bottom of it. What's wrong with the Nagus? Because he realizes it's not a trick or financial scheme or Ponzi or anything. And then the the Nagus has made Quark co-administrator to the Ferengi um, Benevolence Association. And then they get to go back to Ferenginar and Ron's like, we get to go and stand by the Nagus' side or whatever. And it's like, shit, man. When he goes back and gives them this new bullshit rules... We're going to stand on the steps of the sacred marketplace and they're going to throw him from the top of the spire of the Tower of Commerce. So there's some Ferengi world building in here. Like it's a Nagus episode, I guess. But Oh, and so they take him to Bashir and then we get the finally some cross between Bashir and, and Quark plot. He's fine. He's totally healthy. He's got some vascular damage to his muscular membranes. So he should stop drinking. He should start with the beetle snuff. And he already has because it's rough on the Beatles or some shit. <laughs> and then he's going to give a gift to the Bajorans tomorrow. And they're like, what? What's the gift? He's like, oh, it's a surprise. So then they break into the Negus's ship. And then Punk Rock Ronald Reagan finds them. And they're like, oh, shit. But no, he's helping them out. He's been visibly distressed by the new Negus the whole episode. Mm. He makes a Chewbacca noise at one point. <laughs> yes. And then turns out that the gift for the Bajorans, oh my god, it's an orb of the prophets. It's the orb of wisdom. And he's a Hooperian servant, is Punk Rock Ronald Reagan? Yeah, they dealt with that in the very first episode because they suspected... Like Swana? No, no, with, um, well, maybe, but no, with, um... Oh, the first Nagus episode? Yeah, because when they thought he'd, when he staged his own murder, uh-huh. Odo wondered, you know, they talked about that he comes from, like, a planet of servants. Right, right. Yeah, like the, the British butler planet. Yeah, yeah, we knew that they were a servant 
race. That's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's that, <laughs> oh, shit. That, that's a weird concept, isn't it? Right. But do we know that they can speak? Or I don't know if we knew that they vowed to only speak to their masters until now. If that was a oh, that's part, true. Yeah, I don't know. Part of the continuity, or they just did it because they wanted to give Tiny Ron a line when they are in the wormhole. Yeah. Did he speak in Police Squad? I don't think so. He was just a tall. He was just a chest. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. He might have. I don't know. He may have in Police Squad. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember well enough. It was the same role that OJ played in the movie, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> I I I don't know. Um, we're failing in our Police Squad. Our police. Okay. <laughs> Yes, uh, I watched a lot of Zucker Brothers. Y'all watched Star Trek. I watched Zucker Brothers movies. <laughs> Did have, we have the we have them? We find out that the Nagus has been destroyed by hippie powers. Yes, yes. <laughs> right, right. And Quark's got a solution. Ron's like, "Does it involve me?" It's like, "Not really." I like it. Uh, well, Quark also sort of quickly put it together. You know, because he's shrewd. Yeah. That this probably meant that there was some wormhole shenanigans. Right. Uh, right. Because of the wisdom orb. So, and he put together that Zeke was probably going to try and do the Biff Tannen thing and get these 1955 sports almanac <laughs> yeah, um, right. from the wormhole aliens. Yeah, yeah. And he got it from, because he breaks into his logs and finds out that he got it from somewhere in Cardassia 3. Yeah. And he's going to go get the almanac. Yeah. Yeah. So he assumes that they, he was doing that and then something went awry from there. And that's right. That's right. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they throw the Nagus in a bag and take him on the thing. And he's like, it's, it's OK, Quark, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm annoying myself with that voice. It's 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 a, <laughs> it's a hard decision. It's a hard voice. And it's hard to I've critiqued about this. I've made this critique about it before that sometimes the show just it's all too much you know like if i had to show this to someone who hasn't inundated with deep space nine yeah the wallace sean talking that way with the scrotum skin <laughs> and the ears yeah. and the voice yeah, yeah yeah it's just it's not it's not a it's not a good introductory episode to, <laughs> to the world of deep space nine sci-fi yeah. yeah and there's a lot of that going on in this episode yeah but once you get to the, I think you're right that the confrontation with the wormhole aliens is interesting. Yeah. And it took me up until, maybe that's a credit to this episode, that it took me up until he goes in the wormhole, wormhole aliens, he opens the orb, and the prophet aliens are, oh, did the Cisco send you? <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> he hasn't been in this episode once. Yeah, the Cisco has done He was in the prize, like, nomination party. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, 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 he was. He's just smiling. <laughs> I was, okay, I forgot. I didn't notice him at all. Like, the Cisco had a light week that week. <laughs> yeah, for Wormel, for then talking about the emissary, it's like he didn't do shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, well, he did show up for this because he does have some wormhole alien lines. But, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I guess because he- they cut. Well, they the first shot they use when they do the sepia filter that so that's a dream sequence. They show him doing the kiss, kiss my dick, kiss the rod from episode one of the season. From, oh, yeah. But then, yeah. yeah, then they go in and then Zach turns into Mr. Mixaplex <laughs> once he's a wormhole alien. Yeah, yeah. So, OK, so the theory here is that they they met Zach before the episode and they saw him and they thought he was odious. He was trying to pitch him on something. They thought he was odious. So they de-evolved him. 
because before Ferengis were, I mean, Ferengis are uh, supposed to be a carbon copy of the Federation where they grew more greedy and avarice yeah. and, and capitalistic. Aggressive, adversarial, yeah. dangerous. So they, You have not always been as you are now. So they de-evolved him to make him more altruistic and social good. He's a social justice warrior. No, so social, you know, more concerned about the social welfare right, right. than individual gain. So they, so I, I guess that like, and that was supposed to like, I don't know how I feel about, I mean, I, I don't know that the idea that, that you evolve into uh, avarice and, and aggression and capitalism, it seems like. Well, I think it's, if you're looking at it as like, that's the natural evolution or the one way that people would evolve or like oh that's a, evolution means it's good that's true then yeah. it's problematic but evolution doesn't have any moral it could go a different way yeah i mean evolution's got no direction but like yeah. uh, if you look at yeah I, I think that we can make the <laughs> it might have been the you know is what at one point like got them through some sort of time in their like world history yeah and made them survive like right i don't know i see what you mean like wade brings up a good point it it doesn't ring true to us. I think it doesn't. We feel like that's like regressive. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's that because I'm a liberal, but it also like it doesn't ring true to like the show's a liberal. Right, right. No, <laughs> no. That, 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 yes, I, and this is brings up a larger point here. Yeah. Is that when when Quark is explaining the Paul Ryan view <laughs> of humanity, like if every yes me needs met, then they will be worthless, mm-hmm. and they get worth by aspiring to be greedy <laughs> if you give a, a kid a free lunch at school you will give him a meal but you will steal his soul <laughs> right so i view that as not a he didn't convince the wormhole aliens that his viewpoint was correct yeah he convinced the wormhole aliens that if you never want to see me or my kind again yeah let us go yeah so yeah. that's why that's why i think the, the distinction is there i mean it is not i think that if you were a careful viewer of the show and you're young and impressionable. Mm-hmm. Maybe this some Republicans folks. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> or just yeah. or uh, or just or they got a good hell yeah out of it, you know? Right? Like, yeah, because he's like he gets hard into the paint. Like they need to improve ourselves. Like motivates everything, and people would just lie around all day doing nothing, and they'd they'd starve to death. Is that what you want? And they're just like you're, you're coming on a little bit. Like tone it down there, buddy. He's like, yeah, okay, maybe. Maybe I'm overselling it a yeah, little bit. because there's this whole federation is a post, you know, what do, what do they call it? Post-scarcity. 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 Yeah. yeah, right. So there's a whole federation that's thriving, actually probably doing Ragnar, you know, the kind of... Yeah, even the, the Nagus gives of, uh, Bashir yeah. a tip of a bar of latinum, and he's like, I can't take that. Just throw that. It's like... Well, give it away to charity. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Yeah, there's this, I mean, okay, so that that's true. I do think, and I know now, I mean, obviously because I uh, we live at a time where everybody's politics are on full display and Iris Stephen Bear is still a somewhat public figure that his politics are, uh, yeah, I'm going to say it, he's, he's got good politics in a way that I've accused him of not having good politics before. <laughs> but I do think that he is intimately equated with the libertarian. I mean, this keeps coming up. Oh, yeah. And maybe it's because, I mean, you're dealing with Ferengi, so you have to give them some sort of overriding philosophy. And But it keeps coming up. But I was like, this is, I mean, this is and Randianism just like being spoken of. I do like that you're right. Then they he abandons that argument, the the Randian argument, uh, and goes for the I'm irritating. 
and I'm not going to stop. <laughs> right, like, yeah. So just give me what you I want. You can fix me and send me back and turn me, do to me what you did to the, the Nagus, but my whole race is going to be up your ass <laughs> if you do that. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So so he opts for that. Um, it's interesting. I was going to make a reference to he's just like, he in the way that like a like a really belligerent high school guy will or bludgeon a girl into fucking him. That, like, but uh, that was the original script. Uh, Iris Stephen Bear wrote this originally, not for Deep Space Nine or Star Trek at all, but as a spec script for Taxi. That's what this was? Yeah. Is there a wormhole in Taxi? I don't remember. <laughs> no, no. It's uh, Danny DeVito's name, Louie, on that show. Louie Parma. Is that right? Sounds right. Yeah. So he's like a womanizer and he's constantly trying to fuck all the women in the show. Uh And uh, he's got like some uncle that's like considered like a arch, like the mystery, like the great womanizer of of lore. Right. And he finally gets to meet the uncle and he's trying to show off that he knows how to womanize and fuck all these women. But his uncle's changed and is now into like women's lib and, you know, respecting women. And Louis goes about the like that was his script for taxi that they didn't buy. Hmm. So he just (laughs) converted it into a Ferengi story. Huh. Well, so that's the origin story of this episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like he had to do a lot of work to do that rewrites on there. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, you're, but the core oh, of the yeah, episode yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, hey, okay. Mm. Template works, I guess. Yeah. 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 I'd like to see, and this is kind of what I enjoyed about the Klingon Ferengi episode. You see how a culture clash, this time we actually see a culture clash between space gods and Ferengi. <laughs> yeah. Right. This is the first time that I think we've seen. The, the wormhole aliens or prophets, we never do figure out what they prefer to be called. Yeah, I don't think they care. Act in their own self-interest, though, which is interesting. They're not acting in a way that's like foretold or has anything to do with like the fate of the sector or oh, it's like, the fate yeah, of the they, Bajoran people. They're just acting. They don't give a fuck about the Bajorans, yeah. Right. They're just acting like... Just leave us alone. Don't bother us. Right. And I think that's interesting that makes them interesting as i don't know if you call them characters or what but well we keep having this conversation of i mean now that like well the the argument would be i guess like religion religion works a lot on mystery but the weird thing about the bajorans is that their gods are actually a thing right and there's and the people who have come closest to interacting with them view them as as not gods of the bajoran people Specifically Cisco, you know, I don't know, does he? I don't know. It seems like a rational, like he's in the episode, he's dealing with them like they're the way he deals with alien races. Quark? No, no, but Cisco and Quark both. Is or uh, like, yeah, well, yeah. And neither. And so it's weird that the Bajorans worship them. And it, it's weird. It's like if, you know, my friend Jeff is, he's just my friend, but like these other people worship him as a god. It's well, kind of weird. Well, I mean, I was going to, I was like, oh, they're gods. But then, you know what? The Bajorans, their their views are a lot more aligned with the Bajoran views, partly because they've had to do with, they've been interacting with the Bajorans for 100,000 years or however long. So Bajoran morality is more in line with how they change Zek, even. Whereas the Ferengi are just like, God, oh man, these guys are just, they are like omnipotent space aliens, but at the same time, you know, maybe that is close enough for a god for these people, and it's just not—it's not in line with Ferengi values at all. So they're just like, oh man, we don't like these people. We're not gods of the Ferengi. We're gods, but I don't know. It is weird that how little they do. Get- the okay, so the Christian Christians believe that God, yeah, Christians, Jews, and and Muslims, and I'm not—I I think Hindus do too. 
I mean, Buddhists are pretty lax on belief in general, but like they all believe that their gods created existence. They all believe that their gods created existence. Right. Well, the Bajorans said that, but that, that the universe in total is created. Yeah. So if they were to find, well, see, like, that's why it's not a one-to-one correlation. It seems that the Bajorans have gotten a glimpse that their gods are a much smaller thing than their religion denotes. Well, that's why they're prophets and they don't call them gods, maybe. So, I mean, it's like, like at a certain point, you can't make a equivalent argument. That's an interesting distinction. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't do, think you're wrong. Uh, I think Wade is right. I think Wade, like, that's why they're not called, like, that always stuck in my craw. It's like, why aren't they just called, they're space gods, why aren't they? But I think Wade has made, I think we're actually connecting a dot here that, that's sort of important. Yeah, <laughs> they're prophets of like how the universe was hung. They're not maybe the catalysts of it. They're like agents of it. I don't know. Marvel Comics has something similar in the Celestials, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah they do. But like, I don't know. Like, I mean, but are there? So I mean, you can use you use the prophets in Bajoran religion as a metaphor for religion in our world, but it's not. At a certain point, it's not a one-to-one one because they don't want to piss off their viewership that might they want to be you know on TV and not tell people that their beliefs are bullshit. But they also want to be able to make stories about religion. I don't know. Sure, yeah, but I mean, it's, and, you're right; it's not one-to-one. And then how do you do it in a Star Trek, which is a humanist kind of not really religious but kind of? You do have to kind of highlight how they're not one-to-one. But okay, so in. The episode, the end of season one, the episode where Nurse Ratchet and Keiko get in the fight about the way that things are being taught. They, she doesn't like that she, Keiko calls them the wormhole aliens. Right. Where the Bajorans call them the prophets. And she's dogmatic about it. She's like, no. Yeah. Even Keiko is like, well, you call them the prophets. We call them the wormhole aliens. What you're describing as the wormhole aliens know all of time. What was described? What, what was it last episode? Where, you know, yeah, they can. These prophecies may be true because they've existed throughout time and time's a circle and all, you know, and time's a flat circle. But like. I'm cutting up beer cans just as you're talking about all this. <laughs> <laughs> they would still be. They would be cool with Keiko calling them the wormhole aliens. They, they would be. Because but, they're objectively aliens. Yeah. Well, that's almost. We give a lot Star Trek a lot of shit for having these homogenized societies, but in this instance, it's showing a diverse, more, I mean, it's not crazy diverse, but it's a more, like, especially in that episode you're talking about, she's the conservative kind of hardline religious point of view, whereas there's other Bajorans like Vedic Baral, like, it's not going to get hung up on whether Keiko calls him wormhole aliens or not. So it's yeah, like, but she's what does the, he believe? But what does he believe? That's she's a different. fundamentalist belief. He believes, I think he'd be more like, he's like your reformed rabbi. Who or created the universe? What? Who created the universe? I, that That's not covered in the Bajoran thing. I don't know. It, it's a little built outside the purview. I don't, I don't have that information, but <laughs> I, I just, don't know. I, 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 I have trouble believing that the Bajorans don't think that the God's, invented the, the universe they probably do or it's not listed it's, if it's not i don't know like it's i don't i don't know until it's outside of the material we had to work with in my head it's like some of them assume that and there's probably religious texts where that are like that but it, it's all metaphor so it's like some people probably read some of the prophecies and decide yes this is them saying they created everything and then your more liberal people are reading that it's like well it's like people reading genesis it's like 
it didn't happen that way. Okay. The, the Jewish what I people think, didn't believe that was a literal thing. So why should we have to do that with the prophets? I'm you know? saying that. Okay. Okay. So in the real world, if we discovered somehow that the biblical Jesus, as described in the Bible, was really a alien, and all of these things were were by natural explainable phenomenon that that your your space scientists all you know conclude is verify and that jesus and god are confirmed to be aliens i think that what would happen on earth is a mass movement of i don't know what would happen but it would definitely rock faith it would the christians would not but carry on as normal it would you're right there would be some but you're you're making a there would be some seismic you're making a hypothetical argument for an unprovable claim yeah it's it's so, podcasting. I mean, it's podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm just saying that I feel that way. You're right, but I I, I got to play with my. I, what you're doing, James, is you're you're feeling the tensile strength of the story, and you're like you're kind of feeling like you know how far you could kind of tug at it before yeah. it snaps. Well, because and I, 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 I want to know I, it no, deeper. I, with the but... premise is what you're saying. The pre- yeah, the premise yeah. is what you're tugging at. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you're wrong to think that that would. Happen. And I want to see, like, I don't know, like, I, you know, I, like, I want to see that. And I would like to see that the writers play with that a little bit more. And I, maybe not in this episode, but just in general, that that's an interesting sort of phenomenon that they're dealing with here, where faith is proved or disproved, depending on your perspective of it, in the first episode. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's very... But I mean, Star, Star Trek has had space guides since the beginning, and it... Has it ever come out? But we've and said, never had to sit there and actually, we've never had main characters give deference to the faith. You know, at, at the end of the day, everything's in your rearview mirror. You're all like them, them religious people worshiping other aliens are sure weird. Like next week, we fight the board. I don't know. And this, I'm, this, I, we're like, I feel in like it, even you know? like when they meet Satan and stuff, they're like, well, okay. may, is okay. that the real Satan? <laughs> They've met the devil several times in Star Trek. And they're like, well, maybe it's the devil, maybe it's not, maybe this is where the idea of the devil came from, or, you know. I'll maybe- say that this storyline meets a level of quality that, that I find is worth the critical, like, mm-hmm. look at it, whereas fighting Satan didn't. So, uh, but yeah. Which time, <laughs> exactly. when when Picard or Kirk did it, in the cartoon or? Picard fought the devil? Yeah, yeah. It's Kirk, Kirk part, found uh, like a planet with the like, with something hidden in it that that claimed to be the devil, and they're like, "Well, we know." I remember that. Where did Picard fight the devil? Oh, I'm thinking. No, I think Picard did the similar thing. It wasn't a devil, devil. It wasn't a guy in red paint. It was like a big grand yeah. alien that said the same thing. Though. Okay, I mean we're cool. I I just I just that's the thing I'm putting a pin in to watch for later. <laughs> sure. All right. Also, we we know for a fact the Earth is round, but we still have to deal with flat Earthers. So <laughs> yeah, let's not assume Kyrie Irving that still, had, still exists. So. Let's not. Yeah, I you know Kate Melgrew, bless her heart, got like hornswoggled and doing a flat Earth documentary, like narrating. Oh one, God, yeah. What? She had to like later. Yeah, yeah. A couple of years ago. How did this happen? She, Tell me all about this. What? Well, a couple of years ago, <laughs> there was some flat Earth people did a documentary about how the Earth is flat naturally. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm obsessed with these people, but. I didn't hear and it. so they're like, you know, who would give some real uh, credence. <laughs> credence to this to really make our argument sound legitimate? If we got like a real, like somebody tight with the science community, <laughs> well, we can't really do that. But what if so we get somebody tight with the science fiction community? Well, that's that's pretty close. Let's get a starship captain. <laughs> so they got Kate Mulgrew, and she got like 
buffaloed into reading some lines. Yeah, she was a science they, officer after all. Right, and they cut her, and they like cut it up, and then later Kate Mulgrew had to. Did like, she know what she was reading? Did she know what? She, right, no. So they had no. She had to say on a Facebook page, like we, I got buffaloed, and I did not know this was a flat Earth. Like I it was a job. So they made her say a bunch of benign things, and then edited it into right, she, a more. She was getting a paycheck. She probably didn't think about it that much. Yeah, that is. That is, she's like, I like science. Yeah, it's just a science documentary. It's no big deal. Whatever. And, but she wasn't uh, saying in the documentary, most people, th- uh, uh, reasonable people think NASA is bullshit. Like, she didn't say that or anything. Well, like, I don't, she might have. That was really tipping the hand. I don't that. know if she was told it was like, like I don't know what angle it was hit. Like, it's just fiction. You're reading uh-huh. this stuff, but it's fiction. Or like, yeah, you're reading okay. this stuff and we're going to recut it. I don't know. But she was like duped. And she had a like a publicly say i don't believe the earth is flat this is ridiculous these people (laughs) scammed me okay yeah i think it was an embarrassing moment this is like yeah when did the first season of orange's new black come out this was like about that time yeah it was it was somewhere this was 2000 um okay so like yeah yeah that's why i was saying that i don't uh, i I was first going to say you'd see people leaving the faith then i stopped myself because i was like no you'd see some strange backlash yeah. And I don't know what it would be, but it would be like, fuck the Federation. Nothing exists. You know, it's flat Earth. Nothing exists. We don't like. Yeah. Like, it's the most basic of the basic. Why does. And, yeah. and we had those fuck the Federation people, like right after Nurture Ratchet saying we had the circle and all that stuff. Yeah, but it's different for like the. But these explicit arguments are not the. Like, they're not. Sure. They're just. They're just showed as just internecine bullshit they don't they don't really get I, into the yeah the, the i sort bet of, they were happening on bejor is all i'm saying yeah i'm, I'm <laughs> Those sure arguments were probably they just yeah, yeah. i'm sure i want to see them yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's why i'm asking <laughs> well, yeah, actually yeah. vedic win and vedic Baral are, are part of two different sects right that's yeah. and they have different yeah they have different interpretations of the text yeah so and that maybe that's, nominally you're supposed to view them as like the difference between jesuits and gregorians i just like you reformed know. in and conservative and, yeah, yeah or whatever yeah so yeah, like a young pope <laughs> like he's yeah i guess like I, there, you're right i just this is an interesting avenue to to sort of view <laughs> yeah and when an episode to get in these deep heady topics about yeah it. <laughs> maybe that's why i'm talking about it Dang, what about these aliens there's a lot of meat on the bones yeah but. yeah i think we covered the ending Henri roger won instead of Patrell, the Andorian, mm. or April Wade won the very prestigious award. And I, my favorite part of this episode is whenever Cisco goes, Roger. Like he <laughs> like he forgot about him and he was like, it was a real <laughs> surprise. Like he really <laughs> sold that, that one. Motherfucker. <laughs> he's yeah, he's the best. All right, guys. Well, um, you guys want to talk about the our IMDb stars on this? Oh yeah, let's get to it. Oh, uh, I'm gonna give it a six point five. Oh my god! You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna crack. I I, I I'm gonna say seven. You this episode had five hundred and eighty one votes, and uh, what did you guys guess again on the number? I had a six point five, and I had a seven. Six point seven. Six point seven out of ten. Uh, split the difference. Split it in the middle. Yeah, so we'll share the spoils, James. Did Plankton? What did Plankton Rules have to say about it? Uh, Plankton Rules, who is one of our favorite, a loyal. <laughs> we actually have a theory that that Plankton Rules has written a an, an in depth user review for every episode of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yes, Plankton gave this one nine out of ten stars. Wow, okay, he's a Ferengi buff, huh? The 
the last line is, this is one of the funnier episodes of the series. While it's inconsequential to the overall scheme of things of the show, it's very cute and a nice change of pace. Not to be missed. So the fact that it's not to be missed, according to Plankton, will make it an interesting uh, white album. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we Because we hold his reviews in the highest esteem. Yes. I mean, I, I don't. I, I like him being this, like, friend of the pod. I do too. Unbeknownst to himself. I, I, yeah, I, I, if you're out there, <laughs> whoever he or she yes, is, uh, yeah, him or her, yeah. We need to create a, a like a backstory, like a character sheet <laughs> for Plankton Rock rules. Anyway, well, I think it's a precocious uh, six-year-old, <laughs> really, think, because it's it's a SpongeBob reference. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, high on charisma, or are are more geared towards uh, perception? Oh, oh, you're talking <laughs> these D and D stats. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give them just a basic, probably we'll give him an 11 or 12 in charisma. Um, I don't know. He's well, I'm not going to tell you his full stats either. It might be a roll for those. All right. Yeah. 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 I could do it, but I don't want to offend him if I'm wrong. Are we, are we done with the the profit motive guys? Uh, Yeah. Oh, one last, one last thing. I'm all done. I'm all, I'm all, uh, I, I, they can't, they clearly came up with the name of this episode and then worked backwards. Right. Oh, Uh, Oh, then I was about to say, yeah, yeah. Oh, the name came first. You think? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, they're like, how many different ways can we use profit again in the title? That's probably, yeah. Uh, Have we, have we had profit motive with an F? No, we've yeah. had uh with uh, something in profit, profit and loss. Profit and loss. That was well. Yeah, that's yeah. the other interesting thing about this one. This is the first. Well, I mean, just two things that very rarely interact, which are the Ferengi storylines and the Bajoran profit storylines. They don't really cross paths that much because they're not very compatible. Yeah. So it's interesting that finally, at least we get one where they kind of mix. And it's a Zach episode. So. All right. Next week we have uh, O'Brien becomes unstuck from time. Oh, because of oh, so, uh, yeah. well, it was that we were about due for somebody to get unstuck in time and for some bad shit to befall O'Brien. So that's fitting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he hasn't yes. suffered enough this season. Yeah, so he does. He does a little bit of suffering. He's got some suffering to go on this episode. So yeah, it's also uh, it's the next week is written. It's all like it's all uh, common common players. Like it's all like people that we've never heard of writing the story, pitching the story, and directing the show. So oh, it's no, uh, we don't have any of the old stable in. No, no, no. So okay, yeah. All right, all right, yeah. Let me end this. What? Wait, that's that's how we're. Oh. Oh, yeah, we're doing another second. I like you. The Ferengi feature is in total chaos. Uh, Open surprise. I'm just calling the segment Priority Transmissions. Priority Transmissions. That's not, a, that's not the worst. Uh, because it doesn't say, because a transmission could be an email or a voicemail. Yeah. Hugh, is your, is your fan on? My fan has been on all night. There's nothing like, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it makes that sound. There's nothing I can, there's literally nothing I can do about it though. Give me those pri give me them priority transmissions. All right, all right, let's um <laughs> see, is it working on you? Yeah. You think it works? <laughs> all right. Uh hello and welcome to our voicemail. Let's call it priority transmissions. How's that sound? Y'all? Sounds good to me. Sounds yeah, great. All right. Are, they, right. Are, are we are we are we locking that? Are we locking are we locking that down? Yes, I think we are. Priority transmission. Until something better comes up. Yeah. Sorry, Richard Picardo. Richard Picardo. Robert Picardo, you well, have anything you we want. Should, we actually have, I think we named the robot Richard Picardo. <laughs> I think that's the a Richard good Picardo. Yes, that's a good point, Richard Picardo. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I think this week let's just let's go back to an old favorite. Yeah. And let's not go over time. Let's just like sit down with an old friend and listen to some audio that was sent to us from Twiggy. All right. All right, right, old friend. Twiggy in Australia. How's my thing? Hey, just giving some feedback for uh, the life support episode. Just wanted to give a nice big hearty fuck you to uh, James and Hugh. (gasps) Before I started listening to your podcast, I had zero problems with uh, Dr. Bashir as a character or um, (laughs) Sadiq as an actor. But holy fuck, you guys have really uh, opened my eyes to just how bad of an actor he really is. Um, A lot of his lines are just really over the top. It's kind of like watching somebody in a high school play who thinks that they're just absolutely nailing everything. But you just sort of sit back and some of his choices in delivery, you just kind of like tugging at the uh, shirt collar, you know, like, oh, oh dear. And I think there's a further bleed-on effect of him as an actor when I watch him in things now, like in Game of Thrones and other bits and pieces that he's been in. He's kind of got like this uh, Deep Space Nine halo effect where I'm like, I'll see. I'm like, oh, hey, he's coming up in this show. I really like him. He was cool as Bashir. And then you watch him in these other shows and just instinctively, like, it could be bad, but you're just like, no, no, he's cool. He's Bashir. He's one of our boys. Exactly. I will say that uh, I do like where his character goes uh, in terms of his friendship with O'Brien. I really like the dynamic that those two share on screen. Yeah. But beyond that, I, I don't think he actually adds anything to this show at all. He's at best like, you know, a, a nice passable doctor, um, I guess, because, you know, you still don't even see him doing anything. Um, he's that doctor who you go in with a, a slight cough and he's like so you, you need just one week or two weeks off just because he's a good dude so yeah thanks thank you for shitting on one of my uh, beloved childhood shows uh on a more cheery note uh i think it was uh wade who uh, for a couple of times now has brought up references to gore uh and i guess i i love that because i've read oh, well, most of those books uh there's fuck there's a lot of them <laughs> But I, I quite enjoyed those, and um, to the extent that with our, our dogs, uh, when it's time to eat their dinner, you know, we do the usual thing: you make the dog sit, and then like you know, you tell them to eat. Except when we tell our dogs to eat, we tell them to go to buck, uh, and it is a reference that probably four people I know will actually <laughs> understand. So hey, there you go. Maybe you're the fifth. <laughs> and finally, I've got a question for James. Uh, you've made reference a couple of times through the past tense episodes and also through some uh, Dear Richards there that you really don't like the time travel episodes, uh, especially like we were referencing the uh, Mark Twain episode of Next Generation and then obviously these ones here. So I'm curious to see what your thoughts are on Star Trek for The Voyage Home because it's a fairly beloved uh, episode that one and generally well regarded, but it's a time travel uh, movie. Um, I can understand if you're like, you know, fuck whales because, you know, whales. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, curious to see what the rest of your thoughts are on that one. Thanks, Wallace. See you later. Oh, my. All right. Where to begin? James, you should unpack your time travel. Uh, we're we're going to take this in reverse. Uh, okay. Uh, I love four, but I don't. Okay, like the broader, like the broader. I, I used to hate, I used to dislike four because, like, I thought time travel was dumb and and goofy but well, it is as i've of, grown older i appreciate it more it also okay a couple of things it is kind of dumb it is kind of dumb and uh they film 1990- <laughs> because whales well uh, yeah <laughs> that and like 
Just the, the plot is kind of like dumb. And they also filmed like 1984 San Francisco. The only way I can compare it to is Jackie Chan's Rumble in the Bronx. <laughs> which was filmed by all, all of the filmmakers involved had never been to America. <laughs> and so their Bronx is a like a weird place that exists outside of all known time or location. And uh, it is like this this Bronx of a chi- of these Chinese filmmakers sort of mind. And I feel like for some reason, even though it is, you know, set made by Californians in 1994, 95, or whenever that movie was made. 84. 84, 84. Yeah, sorry. 84, 85. In California, they don't seem to get the vibe of, of it. It seems sort of weird or fakey, but... I that movie's tight as shit. I watched it like a year ago with my son. That movie is fucking tight, and I, you can't deny it. Yeah, well, that movie it's mo- Nicholas Myers yeah. rebooting. Uh, yeah, and the like Nimoy's directing is not bad. And I mean that that movie is. Uh, I would say that Nimoy's more than competent storyteller. Yeah, yeah, that movie's tight as shit. They got that story. I mean, it's dumb and it's about whales. <laughs> And they have to jack around the sun. Yeah, Save the whales was a big deal in the eighties. Exactly, exactly. And I think now that they're healthy, right? They're doing better. Like they're like I don't. I honestly, I don't know the I, status. I, of think the whales. I think they're. I think they're taking. I think, I think they're taking off the endangered species. They were, but but no. I think it's interesting that you like. It's just like anything that we were saying. We've said over and over. You don't like time travel, but if you like anything, if it's executed well, yeah, exactly. Is that, exactly. Is that what I'm saying? Yeah, I yeah. don't like time travel when it's used to make sloppy stories, and it seems like a very convenient way to make sloppy stories. Like, hey, this story is full of shit you've heard about before, like Abraham Lincoln or Mark Twain, and. That sloppy storytelling with this, that that movie, it doesn't classify. That movie's tight. Right. Like the science might be sloppy as hell, especially well, any time travel stuff. But yeah, that story is tight. I mean, I think that's the thing that I want to get to with the podcast more. Okay, we don't have to worry about the science or the nerd corner stuff. Like, is the story good? Does mm-hmm. the story have integrity? Right. That's what's important. And that movie is a pretty good example of doing... It even has an uninter- It has an, an unexplained villain. They don't explain where the thing comes from. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, what they're trying to solve. I need like to revisit the, it. It's probably the one of the original movies I've seen the most, though, growing Yeah, up. yeah. It, See, I probably... That and three. I've seen three and four a lot. I saw it the least, maybe, because I was like, I don't want this. I don't want to... Because, like, I, I remember 1985. Yeah, kind of, I, I, I was five or there six, but... Some, it is not a lot of. But I was like, oh, this is dumb. This is. It was them being silly and stupid. I want hard sight. But going back and I, I watched it with, yeah. or they did a read through at the Star Trek convention I went to last fall where Terry Farrell, you know what? Never mind. I'm not talking yeah. about it. Well, you saw, yeah, you saw a read through. No, it's great. And it's a, it's a, it's great, and it's yeah. a weirdly non, I mean, it's Star Trek because it's Spock and Kirk, but Spock is in the full monk phase where he wears like the Terry cloth bathrobe through the whole thing and the headbands to hide his ears. Yeah. And there's no Enterprise. They're all on the Klingon vessel. Right, right there on the Klingon ship. And in, and in it's, as far as that trilogy of two through four, Spock's just been reborn and he's kind of... He's not all there yet. Weird. Yeah. He's not the same Spock. Yeah. That, yeah, and I almost yeah. feel like they... I feel like people who don't like it don't like the Marvel movies for the same reason. It's like, because <laughs> it's funny and quippy and kind of light on its feet. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's why these things work. <laughs> like, you know, and I usually like heavy bogged down. I, I think I've been accused by people in this podcast of only wanting to watch The Wire over and over again. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But I don't know. No, about like that. that movie is an example of just a good time you know it's the stakes are high like it's raised it's a perfect i mean it's a it's a tight story it's that that story's locked down like a motherfucker 
and it, and it plays well. Yeah. All right. So I think we covered James is okay with Star Trek. And, and and also I would just say Twiggy, I I feel like and I fuck I I fucked myself too on Bashir because I also I also yeah. liked Alexander Sadiq in hindsight. I feel I feel real. But now this whole this whole podcast has got me real kind of worried that we're going after the most successful actor that's had a career longevity. Well, Michael Dorn, but like. Well, Out of no. most of the Deep Space Nine, what's people. Michael Dorn done outside of Star Trek? Star Trek stuff, but oh, Renee Abinjawar. Sadiq is still working, man. Let's not make enemies. I want to call. I want to call balls and strikes. We should be kissing all these actors' asses and getting them retweeting us, and then they share our podcast, and then we make the bucks. That's how Jordan Hoffman. That's how Jordan Hoffman makes the bucks. I, I want to. Hey, oh, don't don't piss him <laughs> off too, man. What are you doing? <laughs> You're shooting us in the dick, James. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jordan Hoffman. I didn't mean to take that, Jordan Hoffman. I will. All of you. We love all you Star Trek people. We will. I will, I, suck your I will dick listen to all of your fish albums if you want me to. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying that we could, you know. I never mind. I lost the train. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I got it. But I gotta like. He's exceptionally bad at this show. And I. It was for years of me being for the last ten years. I've been going around and every time I've find myself in the company of Trekkies. I'm always talking up Deep Space Nine. And a lot of people are always putting it down. And they're saying like, no, fuck that. That show is awful. And I'm like, fuck you. That show is amazing. Yeah. And I don't understand why people hate it. And then like looking through it, I'm like, eh, we could trim. I, I get some of the, there's some gristle on this beautiful porterhouse steak. Yeah. But there is on, I mean, we can, if we took a hard look at all of the Star Treks, we oh, yeah. find oh, some yeah. gristle. Yeah. We're just happened to be doing, we're just happened to, to be doing this this you could just imagine how hard I would be on Chekhov if we were watching the original <laughs> series. I'm just saying, well, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> You're saying it's bad for business. And, and yeah, Well, I'm also saying, well, I think, I, I think I'm on record as saying I think y'all are a little hard on Bashir, especially going forward. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, no, uh, we... I, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I disagree. But. You're right, but I think that he becomes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. He's used differently going forward, and so I'm wondering. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, and then <laughs> this is the thing that made me the most uncomfortable about your voicemail there, Twiggy. I feel like maybe I have to read all these gore novels now. <laughs> <laughs> there is a. Like, I like, think um, it's is Twiggy a gory? Well, I don't. No, know. I mean, his dogs are. There's a lot of. <laughs> Which is, if you're going to be a Gorian, be it with your dogs. That that makes the most sense. I get that. <laughs> I need to read. I don't know. I don't think any of us have read Gorian novels, right? No, I've. I've I mean, I've just know through. I I kind of want to now because I like Twiggy's opinions on things, and and it does sound like f- fun, <laughs> but like you also know that there's some gross stuff in there. You don't want to. Like, yeah, not for the not not fun. Like this is high art state of literature or anything, but like just I don't know. I mean, I listened to that I Don't Even Own a yeah, TV the- podcast episode. Oh, Buzz Marketing about their podcast. That's a great podcast. More people listen to them anyways. It's fun. <laughs> the gore novels. And it's like, that was that's what really kind of set me down on making all these references. <laughs> yes. But maybe I should go down that road and 
She's asleep, making my girlfriend do all. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, never mind. I scratch uh, it. Never mind. I think it's key. I'm already in trouble for my expanse notions. <laughs> like she's still pissed about. Sorry, when I talked about her being asleep when I was talking about the expanse last time, she heard me and I got in a lot of trouble. Oh snap! Oh wow! And that's why you should not lie to your significant other. Oh man, morality. <laughs> this play. is why everybody that's listening <laughs> at home. This is why they should get two room houses. <laughs> you should rent two room houses. <laughs> hey, New York. It's expensive, <laughs> motherfucker. Oh man, wow! I'm telling you what the, the B plot of this of this episode is pretty interesting. <laughs> I'm just saying, thirty Helen's agree. Honesty is the best policy. Uh, oh, that's another reference. That's for you '90s kids. That's kids in the hall. Yeah, we we have a deep love of kids in the hall. If you guys haven't noticed, our kids in the hall podcast wouldn't be very interesting because it would just be us sounding like Chris Farley fucking the ball. Oh, Pro- probably, it, but I'd probably end up hating Kevin McDonald for some reason. I don't know. No, I I blew my shot. I could have met. I was with Kevin McDonald this weekend. What? Way to bury the lead. Yeah. You should have started off the podcast with this one. Yeah, he was a guest. Like, I don't want to bring it up because I wasn't in, I didn't do the podcast at the show, obviously, because y'all are still in Missouri. Yeah. I work with this NYC Podfest and Kevin Allison, Kevin McDonald's podcast. Kevin Allison was also there from the Risk podcast, but um, Kevin McDonald's podcast was there doing a show and he had. Mike Myers as a guest because wow. they know each other from back in the day. Was he a dick? Was he a dick on the podcast? No, they were both super nice. They're Canadian, man. Well, no, wait, wait, nice. wait, wait. Mike Myers is a notorious asshole. He's like a Kevin. He's like a Chevy Chase like level. It's true, but he was nice to Kevin McDonald, and he was nice to. Yeah, he may have been. He may have been humbled like over the last few years. Sure. Well, he was. Hey, I got nothing bad to say. The guy was a gentleman the whole time. Okay. And you know, we were crawling out of our asses to make sure to not uh-huh. bother him. Yeah. And make sure nobody else bothered him. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. Was, uh... yeah. So I didn't talk to either of them because I was too intimidated. But I was like standing next to him and wanted to say, Mr. McDonald, and but he. You can listen to the podcast. His podcast is great. You should listen to it. He'd appreciate it. <laughs> Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald show. But a lot of it, he talks about how much, about how he gets tired of, well, he has references to all these 40-year-old nerds talking about how much they love him. And it's like, okay, I'm not 40, but I'm one of those mm. guys. So I didn't say anything to him. That's the end of the story. <laughs> you got a couple more years on that. I'm not 40 business. <laughs> yeah. I'm hip, I'm, I'm cool, I'm 40. I'm 40. Got a ponytail. That's one of my favorites too. Uh, Daryl? Yeah. No, no, I'm hip. I'm cool. And forty is different than Daryl. Oh, this isn't a kids in the hall Darryl. podcast. But seriously, so, do we have any more of Twiggy's questions to address? Oh, I'm he, sorry. there was a lot to unpack in there, wasn't it? Well, there was a time travel. There was go to Buck, which I haven't read the Gore novels. I'm pretty sure that's what go they to say to the dogs, right? Or the women. they might say <laughs> to the women. <laughs> I don't. Well, I guess he, I guess I. He he was cursing us because we we opened his eyes. He took the Bashir pill, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I hope y'all are happy with yourselves for ruining people's childhood memories. Here's the thing: you don't have to. You can be like me and not agree with James. But do you know that? <laughs> right. I you know I don't blame you for wanting to see the best in things, but sometimes things are so bad that it's hard for me to do that, and that's that's where I put this performance. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, a, it's, hey, I wouldn't want you to lie to me. Right. You don't want me to put on airs 
and just <laughs> yeah. be super passive aggressive about it and just like every time it comes up just like not say <laughs> yeah 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 we're not gonna not talk to each other because of this i'm not gonna treat you like my stepfather <laughs> is about it. it's, it's, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Fuck that guy. right right exactly yeah all right. Well, um, Twiggy, thank you for giving us a call. As usual, it's always good to hear from you. You're one of our favorites. You set a high bar for phone calls and uh, Twitter interactions. And uh, what is Twiggy's Twitter handle for all of you out there who might want to give him a follow? Oh, that would be at Twiggy Flow, like F-L-O-W, like, like it sounds. He posts a lot about footy, and he <laughs> posts a lot about other Australian slang that I don't know, but... He's very, uh, very good follow in front of the yeah, show. Yeah, and a Chicago White Sox fan. Yes, so he's, that's uh, right. Who, who are, that, I, that I do. Who are probably doing better than the Cardinals right now? I haven't checked, so I don't. I can't. I can't be. I can't big time him there. No. All right. All right. I think that's good places. I think we've talked. I think. I think we've yeah. said enough, gentlemen. Okay. But I guess we should give the number again. Yeah. 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 My bad. I'm off my game. I'm sorry. No. We haven't said enough. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Uh, give us a call at 917-408-3898. If you're international, record us a short, preferably under three minute, because that's where the voicemail cuts out, you know, MP4 or whatever, and send it to us at rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com and do all the other stuff that all the other podcasts tell you to do. Oh, should, can we make a quick plea? Yeah to our valued listeners to give us an iTunes review. Like we haven't had a really good push yeah, in a long yeah, time we, that. Oh yeah. Right. Right. So if, if you can, whatever country you're in and if you've already see, the thing is that everybody has parents, but maybe you're not on good terms with your parents. So you can't ask your parents to, to leave an iTunes review for a podcast, but everybody's got a postal carrier. So if you could just <laughs> stop your postal carrier and ask them to log into their iTunes account while they're, listening you know on, on their phone on their route and just give us a good review like i think the postal carrier review campaign will really put us this over that's the edge. very clever that's clever viral marketing you yeah thank you yeah i really want to get to the number one explicit deep space nine podcast on itunes yeah. that would be my dream goal that's right now who's ahead of us uh, oh we're the i actually we are the number one explicit uh, well, you could still, I mean, even though we're big time, you could still do us a solid and give us an iTunes. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, I mean, it, it waffles. <laughs> All right. But I'd, I'd like to, I'd, I'd, I'd like to get, you know, whoever's editing this, cut that it waffles part out. Uh, I got to say, Hugh, that, uh, that, uh, that get your mail carrier to write us a review thing. I, I think that's a, that's a, that's an idea. That's an idea worthy of Ty that's, Lopez. <laughs> like, I think that's, that, uh, that's. You're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be doing ads with your new Lamborghini and all your knowledge after this. Like that's right, that's right. Outside the box marketing. Yes, that's pretty spot on. You re, you're gonna read a book a week, a book a day. Yeah, that's right. With all your knowledge, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Rules of Acquisition. We'll see you next week. Read the beam out. Knowledge. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line? where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes. They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that.
James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication we know you love that, again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.